and sleep is that foundation of every bit of our health from yeah. immune health to mental health from physical health to uh just like relaxing and all that stuff and well-being Welcome back to another episode of the Productivity Lab, where we put the tips, tricks, and methods of getting stuff done to the test. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Kyle. And in this episode, we will be talking about the natural alarm clock. Mm -hmm. And before you ask or before we give any hints what that is, Kyle, tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, so I have been reading a lot. That's been my main goal lately is to finish all my active nonfiction books. And so far I have completed almost two of, or no, I've completed, yeah, almost all three of them. So I had three non-active or three active nonfiction books on my bookshelf. Uh, one was How to Be an Anti-Racist, which is a good book to for everybody to read right now. It's about implicit racism in American society. The other one I just finished is Why We Sleep, which you'll be hearing a lot of in this episode. <laughs> and the other one I'm a chapter away from finishing right now is bird by bird which is a book on writing definitely recommend that one as well so i've just been clearing off my bookshelf right now trying to free myself from more non-fiction books i want to read i've done a bit of writing here and there i haven't done that much writing this week but last week i completed a short story that i've been working on it nice. should be on my blog quadrant9.net after this episode comes out it's uh the prompts that was given to me or it was actually it wasn't given to me as on reddit it was something along the lines of like you're waiting for your bus and the bus driver pulls up you know say he has like a steel leg going into the uh, bus itself as his uh as his leg and whenever the bus starts driving you see a giant vulture picking up cars and the the bus driver starts revving the engine and says time for battle and that was like i just like he's like that sounds fun and that's been the longest short story i've written so far for this new writing project i had a lot of fun writing it and it might deserve a second draft i think in the future mm -hmm. i'm not used to writing action scenes and this is really fun to write for that reason so i expect to write a second draft but the first draft will be on my website quadrant9.net how about you mark i've been pretty busy as well and i just kind of want to um action scenes it's so funny you say that like three channels i follow on youtube all like published i think three or four all published videos on writing action scenes <laughs> really? <laughs> I should watch that. um so if i if i remember i'll i'll send you those links but it's been pretty pretty productive i must say so i've been working primarily on Let's see the I guess since the beginning of this month, right? Last little Austin podcaster stuff, and then I've been working on a short story from a Reddit prompt. Oh, really? Uh, you I, too? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've picked one called "I Waited for You, but You Never Came." Huh. Um, oh, this is the one that you posted about on Instagram, right? Yeah, it's like six thousand um, words. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was today, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yes, yesterday. I, I'm a slow writer, I admit it, but yesterday I finally finished the first draft of it. Like I wrote the last line and I was like, oh, that's, that's the last line of this short story. It's done. <laughs> um, it was 6,766 words for draft one. 
So, of course, when you go through and you revise it and everything, um, I could be cutting out lots of stuff um, to make the story fit tighter. Or Mm -hmm. I could be adding stuff because I think actually definitely going to be adding stuff because as I was writing, it kind of then took on another element. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, now that can't come out the blue even though I was writing up yeah. to this point, you know, in the second half, I was like, okay, now I got to go in and lay all the breadcrumbs for this. I'll be going back to revise that and I can't wait. Um, I've also started uh, draft two of mixtape, um, a poetry collection for Apex This. That's been going super fun, super fun to write and think and explore and create in that way. And it's a different form of songwriting if you will, because I foremost wrote songs, but because you already have the music and everything else. But with poetry, you're kind of creating your own music, if you will, Mm -hmm. and your own imagery and the way that you use allegory and themes and sounds and sentence structure and stuff like that. So it's really fun to be able to write and explore in that way as well. So I've been working on that. Uh, watched some of the tour uh, conference online uh, yeah. sessions that they had. I caught a few of them. Uh, one particular day, um, I only caught half of it, and then I went back to bed because I had a headache. I uh, had a few of those that week. It was very good productive time, and I was able to get a lot of stuff off my checklist out of the way. So with that out of the way, love that transition, Mark. <laughs> High five. <laughs> We are going to jump right into the main topic and talk about natural alarm clock. Now, Kyle, this was something that I think that you've uh, brought up as Mm -hmm. wanting to do. So can you tell us what does natural alarm clock means and uh, go into your methods about it? Yeah, so the natural alarm clock is this system. I'm not sure if it actually has a official name. I think I just call it natural alarm clock because I had no idea what to call it. Uh, it is a system where you do not wake up with an alarm. You wake up with your body whenever it tells you to wake up. I know one of the inspirations I had for it was the fact that I could stay up until 2 a.m. on a Friday night and wake up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday. And it made me really realize like, like how, at least past a certain age, these uh, sleeping habits are ingrained into your system. You could override your sleep, like you're going to bedtime easily, but it's hard to override your waking up time. You have no choice on that. You think you do with your alarm clock, but really you don't. Your body is a creature of habit and it will not take breaking habit very kindly. Mm-hmm. So the idea that came behind this was uh, for the past couple of years, I've been trying to really focus on my sleep in general. And I've been wanting to get rid of my alarm clock, but I just couldn't find the right motivation to do it. So I'm like, <laughs> if we could do it on a podcast... It would be a lot easier to do this because I like waking up at 6 a.m. and going to the gym. But I know that on those days where I wake up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym, this is pre-COVID times, of course. Yeah. I would be drowsy by like 2 p.m. And I was like, maybe that's an issue. It's just not getting enough sleep. And so my method was pretty easy. I just didn't turn on my alarm. went to sleep at my usual time. Uh, Between 10 to 10.30, I'd fall asleep, lay down at 9 o'clock. And just wake up whenever I wanted me to wake up. I lost some 
Well, I didn't lose some hours of work, but I lost some hours of showering because <laughs> I had to be at work at 7 a.m. And some days I wake up at 6.45 and I just had to roll out of bed and go straight to work. Some days I'd wake up at 6 a.m. and I'd just have plenty of time in the morning. But I decided that I'm waking up with the amount of sleep that my body needs for today. And if it needs more, it needs more. If it needs less, it needs less. And that was the gist of the whole thing. I am an avid Fitbit user as well. And my average for my sleep time went from like six hours and 15 minutes to seven hours, like the usual average, to seven and a half hours on the first week of sleep to eight hours on the second week, which is a mm. huge improvement on my sleep. Yeah. Uh, to rewind again, like one reason why I wanted to do this right now is whenever I took my working vacation, I realized that I need usually seven and a half hours of sleep on most nights. So it's a good way to experiment with that. And after we get past our methods, I will go into everything I just learned from reading the book, Why We Sleep. This is, as I told Mark on Slack earlier this week, this episode is going to be an, an unofficial review of that book. So, yeah. Be uh, prepared for that. So before I go into my spiel, trying to be uh, evangelical about sleep habits, let's <laughs> talk about you, Mark. How was your experience with it and what were your methods? Um, and bef- and before I get into that, I will say that when you told me that, I was like, I cannot be outshone, outdone, bamboozled uh, on this episode about sleep. So I uh, I didn't read through the whole thing. I read part of it, but I never finished a book. Oh, yeah. You have a different I, book about sleep, right? I have a different book about sleep called Sleep Smarter. Sleep Smarter. Um, that I've had from a coworker for many months now. And he's definitely not getting his book back with COVID. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, there were some other things that I went back to listen to um, and read that I previously read on sleep to kind of make some notes as to why it makes sense from a productivity standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think that should be obvious, but we'll go into it and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. But my methods were pretty much the same. The week before the challenge, I was getting a pretty consistent bedtime. I have sleep issues. I've been you know, trying to get better at those. But the week before the challenge, I was getting a pretty consistent bedtime around 11 o'clock. And then the first week of this challenge, I started having bouts of insomnia. Mm. So even with like not being on the computer or anything Mm. like that, I started, couldn't go to bed till at minimum 12, a little after 12 to like two to three in the morning uh, that first week. But even so, the, uh, and that wasn't every single day. There there was a few days I've been tracking my uh, sleep. So I have a little chart in my notebook about, uh, Oh yeah. I saw on Instagram too. Like that's really cool. I mean, yeah. I digitally <laughs> kind of the, difference the two of us again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even with that, I went to bed, tried to go to bed at a normal time. The first week was horrible. The second week was much better hmm. in which I was actually able to go back to bed consistently around 11, 1130 at night. Um, not using any alarms, but I did have an emergency alarm set for 8.45 a.m. Yeah. Um, so I that can I at least yeah. right, try to get up 15 minutes before <laughs> before work. And I've only had to use that alarm three times. But that was primarily that first week because of my inability to sleep that week. So, but yeah, it was it was for waking up. It was just natural and it felt 
the big takeaway for from my methods, and then we'll get back into this into, you know, what we thought about it, what we thought about it, and the final thoughts. But I'll leave the little teaser, and then we can kind of, and I'm sure we're going to go into it. But the big takeaway that I got, even with the bouts of me going to bed like at two in the morning, for example, and not setting an alarm. Mm-hmm. I still woke up less stressful. Hmm, there, I, I didn't have that that stress or that urgency uh, feeling like I felt a little bit more complete than I would if I had an alarm. Like even when I will wake up, like try to wake up at six or six thirty with an alarm clock, hmm. it was still kind of like someone stabbing you and saying, OK, get up, get up, get yeah. up. No matter what time you went to bed, it's get up, get up, get up. And it would take you a little bit to get going and you try to have to like center yourself and all this stuff. And I had less of that. And, um, if we, if you don't discuss it, I definitely have some notes regarding that, mm-hmm. that we'll get into. So, um, that's kind of my method. The same as you is trying to go to bed. The first week was pretty bad, but the second week I was back onto a good schedule of actually falling asleep or being tired around 11 o'clock as opposed to 2 a.m. And I only have to deploy the emergency alarm <laughs> uh, three times throughout this two-week challenge. Oh, wow. Well, you definitely are more of a night owl than I am, so that makes sense that you had to wake up like that. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we get into what we've learned about sleeping over the past two weeks or so? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm so, excited. Uh, the author of the book, Why We Sleep, Matthew Walker, he's been a big uh, researcher in the sleep science scene for like the past 20 years the book came out in 2017 so he's been he's been doing this for a while i know he recently came on a joe rogan uh interview i don't listen to joe rogan but i listened to a podcast that mentioned that one of the hosts listened to joe rogan talk to this guy about (laughs) sleep Mm -hmm. and so this guy is definitely a big advocate for sleep and he he's found out through his research and his uh fellow colleagues research that sleep for the longest time we didn't understand it but for the past like 20 years we've really dug deep into it and sleep is as far as he is concerned that foundation of every bit of our health from immune health to mental health from physical health to uh just like relaxing and all that stuff and well-being yes getting sleep is super effective and to making you feel like a whole person that could fully function. And we've mm-hmm. all been there. We've all had nights where we sleep like five hours a night because you just can't go to sleep. And we had to wake up at 7 a.m. the next day to go to work at 8 o'clock. And we feel like crap for the entire day. And you're like, why did I even go in today? Why didn't I call in sick? Right. So we've all been there. We all know that sleep affects us. But there's also this culture in America that's like very anti-sleep. It's kind of changed over the years, I think. I feel like that sleep health has become a lot more prominent and media over the past couple of decades mm-hmm. i know the the thing that changed my opinion on sleep was an episode of freakonomics from like 2015 2016 called the economics of sleep and it made me realize that i had it all wrong i was just like sleep gets in the way i just gotta find the minimum i could act upon and go from there <laughs> yeah little did i know that i was screwing myself up for everyday task and possibly future task and uh, his studies he found that sleep can do things like especially during a time like during coronavirus time it's good to be having a good healthy immune system so sleep affects the immune system of how it recovers to even like fat loss one thing that really blew my mind in the book was 
if you are lacking sleep, your body goes into survival mode, which could uh, lead to various things like high blood pressure all the time because your body just needs to be a little bit more... I don't know. I guess I don't really understand the physiology of why our bodies go into high blood pressure if it's in the moment of stress, but it's, a, it's an evolutionary strategy. But being sleep-deprived can uh, put your body into a permanent state of survival, which is not good. And one of those things that could happen is if you're trying to lose weight, I found fascinating is that when it comes to survival, fat is more important than muscle. Yes. So if you're trying to lose weight and you're lacking sleep, your body will actually degrade your muscles instead of your fat. Yeah. It's also good for creativity as well. And people that are well-rested tend to be more creative and much more focused, which is very important for us productivity nerds out there. Mm-hmm. Being very focused. I found myself being more focused as well at work. Actually, <laughs> I, I was I am being my boss and I told him I was like if you ever had the chance to sleep with an alarm clock totally do it I've been way more focused at work since then <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the, the health and mental benefits it gives you is just it's just astounding he he says that we used, like he the old science said that sleep is one of the three foundation or one of the three pillars of good health which would be diet exercise and sleep but the research shows it's actually the foundation for those two other pillars. And if you're neglecting it, you're neglecting those two as well because your body just doesn't know how to behave with our chronic sleep deprivation. About one in three Americans, I believe, this is off the top of my head, are chronically sleep deprived. And I'm pretty sure I was one of them. And the worst part is people that are sleep deprived, they get so used to it. Like you get used to like a numb pain. You just think that you're well rested whenever you aren't. Yeah. Uh, anything that you've learned along the way? Ah, so much. So one of the things... I, know, and this I had to is, stop myself so you could talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and feel free because there's probably going to be a lot that I'm going to go through as well. Um, but as someone like... Yes, I, I, get, I feel more energized and creative later in the day than I like being able to work late into the nights and... and and sleeping later in the day. But of course you can't do that because, you know, we all work on the early birds time. But even with that said, Oh yeah. That's the thing he mentions in the book is that, uh, the, there are genetic differences in early birds and night owls and American and most other, uh, first world country culture benefits the early bird and not the night owl. Yes. Yeah. So that's sleep has always been an issue for me. Even when I was younger, I've, I've always, I just always been this way. I tend to be just a late night owl. But mm-hmm. of course, growing up, you going to school. This is true for all teenagers. Um, their body shifts to where they're they don't get tired until much later. Mm-hmm. So it's oh twelve or one o'clock, right? <laughs> But we're forced to get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> yep. uh, and then people are like, why aren't you like energized or whatever? And it's like, no, the entire school system needs to be shift shifted to where we are with our sleep clocks. Yeah. Right. But I've always been that way. So I've had constant issues with that. So fast forwarding that that all comes and plays a part. And one of my focus themes for this year is health Mm -hmm. and sleep is the one thing that I do not need to work on even though I get more comfortable and and it's easier for me to work late into the night I still have to get up early 
uh, or pre-COVID to go to work. That's why this uh, I felt this challenge was less stressful um, in, or I felt less stressful in the morning because I'm just waking up without an alarm clock, I'm not forcing myself to get up earlier, uh, even though I f- may feel better working later through the night. So a couple things that come with that. You mentioned that we all get groggy and we know the reasons why. And it the process changes to, you know, from toddler from babies and toddlers and teenagers to adults and then to once you get to the elderly of what the sweet spot range is. And so for adults, they think that it's seven to eight hours. Mm-hmm. But even if you thought you got seven, seven to eight hours of sleep, you may still feel groggy mm-hmm. or sleepy or out of place. And, the, and there's a reason for that. So let's talk about the sleep cycle. Okay, the, yes, yes, yeah. Was it five stages of, of or five cycles of your sleep? Yeah. So we have the non-REM or non-rapid eye movement, which is what REM stands for. And then you have your REM cycle. Um, So then the first stage when you're going to sleep is wake. And this is typically your drowsiness, Uh, like I'm feeling sleepy. So that's the wake stage. Then you get into N1, which is your light sleep. And it's the transition from being awake to sleep. Um, So think of kind of this as you drifting off nodding off or, you know, going to super light sleep. Um, and this, this stage typically lasts one to five minutes. The second or the third stage is N2. And this is nearly where 50% of our sleep comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, in this stage, our breathing and our heart rate slows. And uh, this lasts about 25 minute, 25 minutes. And it increases in time with each um, sleep cycle. So we'll, we'll go through the five stages and then we'll repeat the entire process. And we'll do this several times throughout, um, throughout the night. Uh, the next, uh, the what fourth one here is in three. And so this is your first deep sleep. And they also call this the slow wave sleep. And this is the most important piece because oh, yeah. yeah. this is, like you said, this is where your body begins to heal itself, uh, repair itself. It builds muscle. It strengthens strengthens the immune system. It takes care of everything. Um, and yeah, also, it, one thing that is mentioned in the book, Why We Sleep, uh, this stage is where your long-term textbook facts memories yes. gets ingrained into your head. Yep. And not REM sleep, like most people think that people, most people think that REM sleep is where everything is ingrained, but REM sleep is more for more physical stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Go on. Yeah. 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 You're right. Deep sleep is where that happens. It's where everything, the most important pieces of, uh, of what you need for sleep comes from. And this lasts around 45 to 90 minutes for the initial uh, the first phase, first time you hit that cycle, the other times you hit the cycle, it's less time. So it's noted, and I found this interesting, that the elderly are noted to not have this cycle as well as healthy sleepers. And they do not classify it as being a disorder or a disease. Interesting. That wasn't mentioned in why we sleep. And so one of the quotes from the study that I pulled and uh, regarding the fourth stage, which is in three, it says, 
Although this stage has the greatest arousal threshold, if someone is awoken during this stage, they will have a transient phase of mental fogginess. This Mm. is known as sleep inertia. Cognitive testing shows that individuals awoken during this stage tend to have mental performance moderately impaired for 30 minutes to an hour. And I even saw elsewhere that it was upwards of four hours of, wow. uh, of fogginess and cognitive and physical decline when you're interrupted in a deep sleep phase. And so for the fifth and final one is REM. And this mm-hmm. is actually when you go into rapid eye movement. This cycle starts 90 minutes after sleep and it repeats on a 90 minute cycle. And along with the N1 phase, this is where we dream. Mm-hmm. Unlike the N1 phase, when you get into the REM phase, this is when your body releases chemicals. And I'm very intimate with this process right here. <laughs> your body releases chemicals to paralyze you, your body, to uh, paralyze you, are you temporarily. Sleep paralysis? I suffer from sleep paralysis, wow. yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so your body, it paralyzes you, and this is where you're, where you're dreaming, and it temporarily paralyzes you so you don't harm yourself by reenacting your dream. Um, your brain activity increases again. Actually, in the N3 phase, I think the N3 phase, your brain actually loses oxygen, but hmm. then there's this like... The spinal like fluid that comes and floods the brain while it goes through all the rest of the process. It goes, takes up the rest of the space. Mm-hmm. It's very fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to REM. Your, um, your brain activity increases. Your uh, eyes start to begin uh, moving rapidly. So it looks like you're in an awake stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so the initial cycle is about 10 minutes, but can increase up to an hour through each set of sleep, like, sleep cycles you go through. So this is why the natural alarm clock is very important because yes. there's, you think that's like, a, you, you've always heard that it's like a 90 minute sleep cycle, which is true, mm-hmm. but there's a bias at the beginning of the sleep state, or at the beginning of like, I think it's like five, I can't remember how many sleep cycles you go through at the night. Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. At the, at the first one, your body tends to favor deep sleep. Just the deep and the light sleep have the highest bias. And like REM happens, but it's very quick. Mm-hmm. At the end of the night, the uh, REM sleep takes over and becomes a longer and longer period. Yep. Which means that if you wake up to an alarm, you might think that, like, oh, yeah, I got four cycles in. That's fine. But what really is happening is you rob yourself of a very valuable REM segment that you need to function and uh, learn more uh, throughout the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think tying it back to how I felt less stressful and a little bit better in the morning is that the alarm isn't coming in Mm -hmm. while I'm in my in three uh, cycle (laughs) stage of my sleep. Yeah. You're not waking up groggy or yeah. Final hour of REM sleep. Except for this morning in which I did wake up at 6 a.m. Because of the thunderstorms. Oh, yeah. I woke up at 5 a.m. for that reason, too. Yeah. But then I went back to sleep until 7.30. But yeah. I didn't. That's kind of like why sleep is important. And when you're looking at those different phases, what they actually do for you and how an alarm can actually impair that, especially Mm -hmm. with a sound base alarm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the sound base alarm... What does it triggers a survival fight or flight response 
which mm-hmm. is not healthy to be waking up to every day to a lion roaring outside of your den. <laughs> so, when your body's like, oh my God, there's a lion out there. That yeah. is not healthy. Because not only are you lacking sleep or you're waking up in the middle of a groggy sleep cycle or you are uh, in the middle of a REM cycle or you just missed your last REM cycle, you're also waking up with a quick sense of adrenaline, which is not the healthiest way uh, to uh, start your day because not only is adrenaline... I guess invigorating, but also creates uh, higher blood pressure, which could be bad for your long-term heart health as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So waking yeah. up with an alarm is just a good way just to avoid that quick shot of a of adrenaline every morning. Of course, yes. like that's like the standard alarm clock. There are more gradual alarm clocks out out there, which yes. were not mentioned in the book Why We Sleep. Maybe they're better. Uh, there seems to be if there is data for it, I didn't find any. So. I'll, I'll probably, I was going to leave this in the final thoughts for me, but I'll go ahead and mention now since yeah. you brought this up. So with this whole thing, I was like, okay, I don't think I like not having, like going through this and, and looking at some of the research and studies and everything. And I'm like, I'm not sure if I necessarily like having the shock alarm, audio sound alarm mm-hmm. waking me up. What are some other natural ways of just naturally waking up? Well, one way is light, right? When oh, yeah, I used to have a light alarm clock and I lived by myself. Not with somebody that I live with and sleep in the same bed. It's a bit different. She wakes two hours later than I do. So yeah. it's different. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. So you'll have to contend with that. So I made a note to look at some research for um, light-based alarms in which they you can set the time, but it gradually increases the light output mm-hmm. to mimic like it's the sun rising. And, and the point of that is because it should hit your eyelids and that light triggering should naturally, it's what our bodies do, should mm. tell the body, okay, the sun is coming up. So let's go hand and wrap this mm-hmm. up. Or <laughs> <laughs> hey, no curse word. <laughs> uh, Okay, let's go ahead and wrap this up. (laughs) Kyle, you're going to have to beat that. Um, (laughs) Let's wrap this up and start to wake you up. So it's a little bit, it seems to be a little bit better way of uh, waking you up and helping the body prepare you a little bit better than a shock to the system. So I made a note to do some research and see if there are any studies or tests out there to see if it's actually a good and better way. If you need to use an alarm clock uh, to wake up, would this be a much better way to do so? Um, even, even so, you still need to ensure that you're getting your seven to eight hours. So yeah. based on the time you want to go up, you want to work that backwards and say, mm-hmm. okay, I need to be in bed sleep by X. So, yeah. um, yeah, out of this challenge, that's one thing that I, I wanted to look at and start researching and say, okay, what are some light based alarms that I could potentially use? And that way, um, I can make sure that my cell phone, um, the book I have sleep smarter, he talks about the EMF signals, uh, from phones and, and stuff like that, that, inter- that interferes, with you and your sleep, um, and I know a, a lot of people sleep with their cell phones next to them on the bedside. Mm-hmm. That's something that I very—it's still in my room, just not at my bedside. But I would like to get it my phone out of my room and use something um, 
like the a, a light alarm clock to wake me up instead of a phone. But we'll see. I got some research to do on that. Yeah, uh, definitely is a better idea though than just waking up to the shock of an alarm. So either way, it's still a smart idea. I sleep with the eye mask on now, which is great because hmm. like on the weekends I could sleep in later. Yeah. So although despite that, my circadian rhythm is still like, hey, wake up at seven a.m. But <laughs> it, it's more circadian rhythm based. So. Another thing mentioned in the uh, book Why We Sleep is that uh, we have two internal clocks that we uh, that constantly kind of uh, what's the word? Uh, they constantly schedule our day, and those are our circadian rhythm, which is more innate, and we also have this buildup of a I don't remember something A. It's a chemical in your body that basically makes you sleepy. And the more of it you oh, have, the sleepier you are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so. I have actually found this strange thing. This whole point might be cut out, but I could like wake like today when the thunder woke me up. I woke up less sleepy, which meant that my circadian rhythm and that chemical were was like mostly restored, but I was still sleepy enough to go back to sleep. But once some of your body completely removes itself of that chemical, it basically says it's time to wake up. And throughout the day, your body will gradually build up until they both align, and then you go back to sleep again. The thing is, like, there's things out there like coffee, which actually suppress your, those receptors yes. from picking up that chemical. And that's why you get caffeine crashes. You just get this huge... I think I'm actually going to get a caffeine crash right now. I feel a bit drowsy. <laughs> yeah, there was something I read, and I was actually trying to look it up for another coworker because I was talking to them about this. Based on that that chemical, and I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm going to look it up right it's, now before we it's forget. It's released multiple times throughout the day. But you should not drink coffee during those particular times that it's normally that. released um, because that can impair the work that that chemical that that your body is naturally doing with the caffeine that you're giving it. I, w- I will try to find this. And if I can and find it, it's it's not melatonin. A lot of people are no. drinking melatonin. No, uh, it's not the book that. While we sleep. He makes a good point saying that melatonin just makes you drowsy. It doesn't make you tired. Right. What melatonin does is uh, it's like the starting pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning of a race it doesn't actually run the race it just tells the racers to go it's called adenosine adenosine is the name of the uh, chemical that your body produces for the natural clock so before we move on we've been recording for a while talking about science of sleep we could talk about this forever we could do an entire series on sleep science from oh, what we, we've learned wonderful but a few notes i want to say from the book i just read uh, why we sleep is uh one thing he mentions is people that go several days with, with only six hours of sleep tend to function like somebody who didn't go to sleep for the whole night within like a couple like within like a week or two so if you just get six hours of sleep every night by day 14 you might be acting like you're just completely drowsy from a lack of sleep these stages are very important to go through and if you neglect them you are neglecting your future health and your future concentration especially as a productivity podcast concentration is very important for us and then <laughs> if you try concentrating after not sleeping all night it is really hard Yes. Um, the, the saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. Well, that may be sooner than you think. If yep. you if you and me in particular, right, uh, keep <laughs> cheapening out on the sleep um, based on what it does. Because, yes, I, I was also in the camp of running typically on like five to six hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, six is what my biggest thing for a while and it has long-term effects with the general health and also mental health too. 
yeah, correlation com- between people that don't sleep that much with people that have Alzheimer's in their life. Yes, there were certainly uh, links in regards to that. Um, Yeah, Um, so I've been, I have increased the average of how long I sleep, so it's been uh, working on that. So Mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's not something that I can change overnight. Yeah, because you you got you got behaviors and everything else that you have. Let's talk about how you can change it. Then let's talk about getting more sleep. Yes. Yeah, and also not more sleep higher quality sleep too that's a big issue because uh one thing i'll we'll get to it uh let's just talk about the general stuff the uh general thing is dim the lights in your room whenever the sun goes down yeah keep it within sync of that i know uh, if it's after sundown i'll try to keep at least like one lamp on in my room and that's it nothing more uh set all of your phones and tablets and whatever you use to uh, blue light filter to go with the sundown to really help with the production of melatonin after a certain hour and also be mindful with coffees and everything as well it depends on the person i know uh, my partner she can stop drinking coffee at 6 p.m and go to sleep before me but (laughs) very few people have the gene that she has where your body well your body will metabolize coffee very quickly most people it takes about five hours for half the coffee you drink to go away so you got to follow that half-life trend. I personally only drink one cup of coffee a day on the workday. And I stop drinking coffee after 1230. I tend to finish like around 11 or 1130 on most days though, just to be safe. And that has helped me a lot with my sleep habits. Other things too, they say no screens. I think that's right, but I have a habit myself of falling asleep to watching very brain turn off Let's Plays before sleep. Yeah. on black and white on my phone which helps myself but uh better thing to do though that was mentioned in why we sleep is it's better to just read on a book or possibly a kindle before bed and that's better for your sleep cycle and finally one piece of advice that i've heard a lot which i haven't done myself which is using your bed only for sleep and relax elsewhere in your house anything i may have missed mark all of that was really great yeah you i think I have sleep issues. I know that. Um, so even when following that, like I can be ready and my body just will not go to sleep. Um, <laughs> but when it does work and every now and then uh, I have those issues. But on the good days, uh, the good weeks and in, uh, in time um, routine, if you prepare yourself mm-hmm. like to, OK, I'm like starting the bed good night bed process Mm. that kind of signals everything else to you right so combining that with okay if these are the things that i want to start preparing to go to bed well what's that look like Mm -hmm. is it changing to pjs you know brushing your teeth and flossing just doing all the things to signal that along with like ditching the screens moving Mm -hmm. the phones away turning down the lights um, at, after a certain time, um, that helps prepare you and let, let you know mentally, okay, I'm draining down and reading is a big thing. I still stick to that. Uh, I have mm. been very, very, actually very good at sticking with reading at night more recently. So reading at least six minutes of reading reduces your mm. stress levels majorly, uh, with just six minutes. Um, and there's plenty of studies that actually show this. Um, so reading before bed can really help 
relieve you of that stress, take you out of the day and help ease you down. And you may find that you're um, um, without the heightened stress levels that you're also um, more easily to fall into the first uh, phase of the sleep cycle. So, yeah, the thing is, you got to be mindful of is the chemicals you put in your body outside of caffeine. Caffeine is the one that we all know ruins sleep because we've all been there. We drink mm-hmm. coffee at 3 p.m. one day, and the next thing we know, it's midnight and we can't go to sleep. We've all been there. <laughs> I once had a night where I took Excedrin before bed because I had uh, some soreness in my legs from like running along, I think it was 20 miles the day before. And I knew that Excedrin was a pain reliever. Also, I learned the next day Excedrin has caffeine in it, and I couldn't go to sleep until 3 a.m. that night. It was a work oh. night. So be careful of the caffeine intake. It might, it might ambush you in places you don't expect it to be in. The other thing, too, that he mentions is sleeping pills. Sleeping pills and alcohol, actually. They have the exact same effect on the brain. And alcohol is bad because alcohol can inhibit REM sleep and other parts of the sleep as well. It just causes your brain to misfire, uh, particularly the neocortex, which is where all of your conscious thoughts come from. And that's very important for the entire sleep cycle because during sleep, your brain basically runs tests on all parts of the brain. If it can't run the neocortex, you're missing out on a very important part. You might think that taking it, like drinking a beer or a glass of wine before bed is going to be helpful for you going to sleep. And it might be useful for you going to sleep, but it's horrible when it comes to actually getting good sleep. You might be waking up with really bad sleep. He also mentions that if you go to bed with alcohol, in your system, you tend to wake up more often. You might not notice yourself waking up more often, but uh, it happens, which interrupts mm-hmm. different phases of your sleep cycle as well. And sleeping pills are the exact same thing too. So if you're taking sleeping pills, the uh, author of the book, Matthew Walker, suggests that you instead ask your therapist about cognitive behavioral therapy when it comes to sleep, which is now the, at least amongst uh psychiatrists and psychologists that are more uh, modernly trained that is now the primary way of focusing on sleep issues and not sleeping pills sleeping pills might make you sleep longer but you don't get good sleep out of it you might as well just drink two shots of vodka before bed (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and be careful what you're putting into your body before bed other things too other small things are exercising throughout the day is useful Taking a warm shower a couple hours before bed is useful as well because it dilates your blood vessels and whenever we sleep, our bodies tend to prefer colder environments and the more dilated your blood vessels are, the more heat your body could lose. And also, yeah, just be careful of screen time. Don't sleep with your phone near your bed. If you do, be very mindful of it. And also beware the naps and when you take your nap. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Napping it, is helpful. Uh, it is, but not too long of a nap yeah. and not too late in a day of a nap. Yeah. <laughs> Take it no later than 2 p.m. Yes. And after that, it becomes detrimental to your sleep that night. Yeah. But, and, and, and I think I read somewhere it shouldn't be more than an hour, 20 minutes to an hour at most uh, for a nap. Yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, we could talk about this for a long time. Sleep science has gone a long way in the past 20 years, and there's a lot of good research out there. I recommend everybody listening to this episode to check out both Why We Sleep and Sleep Smarter. Yes. I need to check out Sleep Smarter myself. And 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting stuff. So we'll have links to those books in the show notes, along with um, some links to some resources and studies that I've read in regards to the sleep and the sleep cycle uh, in, in the different phases and what happens in those phases. It's super fascinating mm-hmm. stuff. It's amazing what the, the body can do. Ah, so I good. Know. It's crazy. So, <laughs> Highly recommend both these books. So let's get down to the review. I guess also an implicit review of the books we just read. Yes. Um, so Kyle, what are what's your uh, review, final thoughts, and score? Uh, five out of five on both the book and the method because I knew that sleep was important, but I didn't know that robbing yourself of the last hour of sleep is detrimental to yourself until I read that book. And mm-hmm. because of that, I have to say five out of five, no alarm if possible. I know that everybody works in that kind of environment. Uh, Mark and I are both lucky to be working jobs that are very flexible. Some people, it's a lot more difficult and it takes some sacrifice at that point. Maybe you got to go to sleep sooner than you usually do just to wake up at the same time. It, it's If you can do it, sleep without an alarm. If it cuts into your productivity time in the morning or your a gym time in the morning, so be it. It's better to focus on your health than it is on anything else, I believe. How about you, Mark? I would give this a five out of five because I know there's more work and stuff that I want to do. I don't want to go back. I Now I know I don't want to go back to a sound-based alarm. Mm. Um, so I want to look at some light uh, alarms. Should I you know, need to, I guess, force myself to get up earlier uh, as opposed to naturally waking if that makes sense. So yeah, five out of five. I loved it. I loved being less, having less stress when waking up in the mm-hmm. morning and just feeling just, I don't know. I just felt more complete mm-hmm. if you will. And finding myself, you know, in the mornings when I will wake up getting into the rhythm where I was just like, you know, just hop up and I didn't need to go meditate to <laughs> prepare myself to get yeah. ready for the day. I just got up and just boom, went right into working on stuff and getting things done and then reading and, and doing whatever before actually starting the day job. So I really liked it. It felt really good. It, it, it just even going to bed, it released the stress of yeah. thinking about an alarm, you know? So um, yeah, usually you're like, oh crap, I only have six hours until my alarm goes off. Yeah, and right. Like, I, and then you start stressing about even more and then the next thing you know you have five hours until your alarm goes off and you have four and then you're like, then you then your brain gets so tired you go to sleep and you wake up with three hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. And my exa- anxiety is already bad. I don't need any more. So <laughs> yeah. uh, five out of five for me. Um, uh, I think I mentioned that I have not completely read Sleep Smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read portions of the book. And I've even like, again, we talked about it in our ultra learning, right? Uh, when I actually got the book, um, I asked myself, why do I want to read this? Well, I want to sleep smarter, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the, in the book title. And so I've read the outline of the book, if you will. Like mm-hmm. I know what all the chapters are, read the different sections and things. So I know what the author is talking about. And I've read different articles and uh, reviews and inter- yeah interviews about the book. So I got a good sense of the book and not only got through like half of the book, I haven't finished the thing, but it's shaping up to be a four out of five or mm-hmm. five out of five for me. So stay tuned. I'll, I'll update you guys. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll that. see. <laughs> <laughs> so that concludes this episode. 
what are we looking to next time? We are doing our one year anniversary special, which is going to be really fun. Can you believe it's been a year since we started doing this? It feels longer, actually, which is good in my opinion, but it's also yeah. been a long 2020. So Yeah, it's been, <laughs> been a long 2020. It's been I, man, what a decade, right? 2020. Oh, man. It, woo, time flies. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been it's been great. I can't wait for the one year. Um, yeah. So in that one year episode, we're going to be talking about the challenges that we liked in uh, books that were like kind of ranking what our favorites and uh, least favorites and or what stuck with us. Yeah. And along with our least favorite challenges as well, because I think that'd be fun to talk about. Yeah, we'll be. Uh, we've done so much and talked about so much in just a year and there's just so much, so much, so much to do. So um, be sure to look out for that in the next episode two weeks from now. Until then, Kyle, where can they find you? You could find me on Twitter and Instagram at KyleSQ9. That is uh, Kyle, and then the letter S, the letter Q, then the number nine. You can also find my fiction writing now and some nonfiction ramblings on quadrant9.net. My latest story on there, The Midnight Bus, which is the one I talked about at the beginning of this episode, should be live by this episode. I'll link to it directly in the show notes as well. I take a lot of pride in this story. It might not be the best story you've read, but it's one of the best stories I've written since I've gone back into writing. Where can people find you, Mark? I have to say, I love the title, The Midnight Bus. Yeah. Can't wait to uh, check that out. But you can find me <laughs> and my horrible writings on my blog at Mark. Dot io that is askmark.io and you can find me on twitter and instagram to see my horrible illustrations at askmarkio that's askmarkio you can also find all the things that we mentioned in our beautiful show notes at the productivity lab.show or tpl.show for short and you can find the podcast on instagram and twitter at productive lab mm-hmm. all right We'll see you in two weeks. Stay productive. I didn't write down any notes for this episode I, since this book is still fresh in my head. I kind of wish I did so I could be a little bit more organized in this. <laughs> but I assure you, I slept well last night, so I'm much more focused. <laughs>